Happy World Diabetes Day, everyone, and welcome to the 58th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with future Olympian, Kate Hall. Well, if you're new to the show, my name is Amber Kluwer, and I'm the host and also co-founder of the Diabetes Daily Grind blog. And today it brings me great joy to chat with someone who defines the odds and breaks the diabetes glass ceiling we have all been given. In this episode, Kate shares an average day training for the Olympics and how she manages her diabetes while also balancing relationships in everyday life. She's just a real person and she does a great job of sharing that. But before we get started, I want to share just a quick few announcements. Um, I want to say thank you. Um, and please continue to love, like, and share all things social media, you know, on our Facebook, on my Instagram and Twitter, all of that helps. And I love reading your comments. Uh, leave an iTunes review. It's been a while. It's been like since June or July. And man, I enjoy reading those. It makes my heart happy and, and gives me the fuel I need to continue. Stay up to date by signing up for the newsletter. I have a few announcements coming up and that's definitely going to be the first place I announce it. And click on the Amazon banner on the right-hand side of the Diabetes Daily Grind website for shopping for all of your ridiculous holiday needs. We all know we're doing it, so please um, click on it so it'll throw a little change my way to keep the podcast going. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Kate Hall. Always having to check to see if your level is up or down. What'd you have for dinner? What'd you have for lunch? Did you have too many or not enough? Getting all of the levels of shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, and I'm alive. Yes, I'm alive. One minor inconvenience, a little thing called diabetes. It's a daily grind, it's a daily grind, and it grinds and grinds. Welcome to the show. Um, I want to start by saying to the listeners that unfortunately Kate and I are not sitting across from each other. I am sitting in my son room here in Oklahoma City, and so you might hear a little background noise of cars going by. And, and Kate, where am I dialing into? Where do you where do you live? I am in Gray, Maine, right now. Gray, Maine. What's the temperature there right now? <laughs> uh, it's about fifty degrees, so a little bit cooler than I like, but could be worse, I guess. Well, it's about 50 degrees in Oklahoma City today, too, so we, uh, we're we not far apart on that. <clears throat> well, and I want to start by saying how I got to meet Kate. Um, I was sick one day and got a voicemail from a friend of mine. I'm going to say that. He's a friend. Um, one of the founders of Insulet. And he left me this wonderful voicemail about this incredible woman who was this athlete who had type 1 and, and you know, this, that, and the other. So he was just saying her praise and and he said, would it be okay if I passed along your contact information? And so he connected uh, the two of us. And we spoke a couple of weeks ago just to kind of get to know each other. And so I'm very excited to bring Kate on the show because she's one of those extraordinary people that are breaking the barriers um, and the glass ceiling of what people with this disease have been told that they can't do. So 
Let's start with Kate. Uh, Kate, how old are you? I am 21. Ah, oh, 21. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll just laugh at that. Um, and so you were diagnosed. Tell me a little bit about your diagnosis story. Yeah, so I was 10 years old. And at the time, I lived a very active lifestyle, very similar to to now. Um, and then suddenly, I just started feeling really out of it. I was eating a lot, drinking a lot, um, very emotional, which was not like me at all. Um, Did you lose weight? I was kind of, what did you say? Did you lose a lot of weight during that period of time? I did. Yeah. I did. I lost, I think, about 10, 10 pounds. Um, but I would be crying in front of my friends, which at that age, I was actually never crying in front of my friends. I never really wanted to show any sort of, like, sad emotion in front of my friends at such a young age, which was kind of weird. But my parents noticed this, and they're like, wow, like, you're being really emotional, and you just, you just don't look good. Um they brought me to the doctor, and he actually said that I was having a growth spurt, and that's why oh. I was, um, yeah, drinking and eating a lot. Which makes um, sense. I mean, so it really does. Right, right. But then my parents knew it was something worse because they knew that I was being emotional, but I was also, I wasn't looking good. Like, I was losing weight, which didn't make sense that I was going to mm-hmm. have a growth spurt if I was losing weight. Um, so he said to come back in about a week or two if it was getting worse, um, and I did. I got worse very, very quickly. And when you say worse, tell me, tell me what worse means. Like, just more emotional. Um, hmm. I didn't want to go hang out with my friends, which is very unlike me. Um, I just wanted to stay in bed all day and just kind of mope and... I just was feeling pretty sick and nauseous. and hmm. So they noticed a pretty, like, drastic change in, I think, like, a couple days' time. Um, so at that point, they had actually done some, like, research on the Internet, and they were thinking, oh, this kind of looks like type 1 diabetes, which, you know, mm-hmm. you can never base, that, base, like, anything off of the Internet, but that's just what they had found. Um so they went out and actually bought, like, ketone strips and checked straight yeah. home, and it was through the roof. And they're like, wow, like, something's definitely wrong here. So my aunt's actually a nurse, so she knew uh, the doctor at the hospital in Maine and got a hold of him, and he had me come in on a Sunday morning. And oh. my blood sugar was 500, and, yeah, yeah so I had... Type 1 diabetes. So you didn't go into DKA? No. no. Well, that's good. You know, most unfortunately, a lot of children get to that point and have a much different diagnosis, unfortunately. Or, you know, they have a much harder time in the beginning. So when they said, okay, you're blood sugar 500, you have type 1 diabetes, did you have any idea what it was? I didn't. Um, when my parents were doing their research on the Internet, um, before bringing me to the hospital, I think like a day or two before, they tried to eliminate a little bit of sugars to see if I would, if it would help anything. Just yeah, until we knew for sure. Um, 
but I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know why I wasn't eating what I normally ate. I think every morning for breakfast, I had, like, fruity pebbles. <laughs> um, and I didn't have fruity pebbles, like, that morning. And I was like, why? Why can't I have fruity pebbles? And then it was uh, my cousin's birthday, and I couldn't have, like, these Oreo chocolate balls that they were making and that was like my favorite treat and I was really sad about that and I was crying and yeah so that was that was hard but once I got into the hospital um they were going to give me my first shot and I said no let me let me give myself my first shot really it doesn't bother me yeah yeah wow. so, so when okay so that was ready go ahead no go ahead well so the difference and I'm like, when I was diagnosed 35-plus years ago, I mean, it was a big – I was there for two weeks. So how long oh, wow. were you actually in the hospital? I wasn't there long at all. I was only there overnight, I think, for – I can't remember if it was one night or two nights. It was definitely under three. So it so wasn't did, that long. Did they teach you how to get a shot, like, on an orange and all that kind of stuff? Or were they like, here's a needle, go, you know, I mean, like – how did that happen? Um, so when they when they were going to give me my first shot, they didn't really teach me anything about it at that point. They just said, okay, we need to get your insulin, get your blood sugar down. And I was like, okay, let me let me take that. I can I can do it. Um, and then after that, they, they taught me and how to count my carbs and then calculate how much insulin to get from there and so I was all set after they taught me, but it was, I remember it being really confusing at first, and I was yeah. wondering why, like, why I was getting so many different amounts of insulin every time. I thought I was going to be the same, so <laughs> a little confusing. But <laughs> so during that period of time, did you take the reins, which is awesome? Um, what, what were your parents? What you know, were they crying, and were they like, "Oh my gosh, she's got this"? I mean, what were what was their experience like? My mom was really emotional. My dad, he he was fine. He was worried, but he wasn't emotional like my mom. She stayed with me in the hospital, and I think the first night we were there, she was just crying. We're both in the same same small bed right there, and yeah. she was really worried. And I'm like, stop crying. I'm going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. I was acting like she was being ridiculous, which it's obviously completely natural to be be doing that like I would definitely be crying if I had a kid someday that was diagnosed but I was just like stop it's gonna be fine why are you crying okay so you leave the hospital you come home you basically you've got the basics when it comes to carb counting what insulin did you start on I started on Novolog and what was your what was your and I'm messing this up and it's, I'm gonna embarrass myself but what was your long lasting insulin Lantus. Lantus okay yeah. Um and so you're 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 able to, so how many well you shoot up because of the carbs, never mind I'm not gonna ask that. Um so you're back at home, you feel like you've got this down, or are you terrified? Um, so when I was first diagnosed I wasn't really that scared. Like in the hospital I was I was confident about it. Um I really liked my stay there. Actually, it was a really positive experience. Good. And But then when they said, okay, you're going to be leaving, you're going to be dealing with this on your own for a little bit unless you need anything. Um, and that's when I started to get a little bit scared. 
I was really scared of having low blood sugars on my own. Um, yeah. That was the scariest I, thing, I think, for me. Um, but it only lasted a couple of days when once I kind of got home, got settled in, did it on my own with the help of my parents, had a few low blood sugars, had some high blood sugars, and yeah. everything was fine. It was just those first couple of days that was the hardest. Okay, well, let me ask you, when it comes to the fear of having a low blood sugar, is that because, and no offense to the doctors, they're doing their job and they're telling us what we should, you know, they're just, low blood sugars can unfortunately kill you. Um, was it because they put fear in you or, you know, why, why was that the scary part? I think because they did scare me a little bit um, when they said, oh, if it goes too low, you could pass out, you could have a seizure. Yeah. It could be really bad. Um, so as a 10-year-old, I was just a little scared of that. I think like, they they might have been trying to scare me a little bit. I mean, they wanted to tell me what could actually happen. Right. But they wanted me to really just take control of, of yeah. this and make sure that I could do the best that I can and not let it get out of hand, um, which was a good thing. So I was fine after experiencing it. I remember one of my first little blood sugars, I think it was in the middle of the night, my mom was with me. I had like peanut butter and crackers and, <laughs> and I'm fine. Yeah, you learn the tricks. So, um, yeah. okay, so you're back at home. You talked about being a very athletic young person. So, you know, how, did you go right back into sports or did you, were your parents nervous about it? Like, how did you get back into things? So I remember my doctor saying that I needed to take a little time off from, I was playing soccer at the time, and towards the end of our season and our championship game was coming up, and um, he said, take a break for a little bit, I don't remember how long, um, a couple weeks maybe, and that was the other thing that scared me, but that was, um, just lasted a little bit, the other thing that scared me was just thinking that I might not be able to do the things that I loved, which was sports and right. soccer, basketball, track. And <laughs> so the doctor saying that I couldn't do it was extremely discouraging because sure. I had to, like, sit on the sidelines and watch my team play the championship game, and I couldn't be in there helping. Um, but once I kind of got back into it, Start playing again, and I realized, okay, I can do this. And so while you were sitting on the bench and, you know, yeah. when you were told not to play, what were your thoughts? I mean, can you recall? I mean, I know that we all have this pivotal moments in our life. It's either going to defeat us or we're going to get off the bench and we're going to do something. So, you know, for I'm saying this for the parents that often contact me about or used to contact Ryan about being in sports. You know, what would you, you know, what was going through your mind at that point when you were on the bench? Um, from what I remember, I was just, I was discouraged, but that was a good thing for me because then I was thinking, okay, I'm not playing now, but once I can play, I'm not going to let this stop me. Good. I'm going to go back and work harder and try harder to get better. So it was a good thing that I had to sit out for a little bit because it just motivated me to to get better and to control my diabetes and not let it affect any other aspect in my life. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great that's a great way to think and 
hopefully encouraging for a lot of people. So you're now back in the sports and, you know, um, how, you know, in, in your age, in that age range too, you're, you're going through, there's a lot of hormones or a lot of other things going on. So were you able to excel as an athlete during those periods of time with your diabetes? Yes. Um, yes, it was. So actually that same year, when I was 10, I started track. And um, just after doing it for a few months, I already knew it was my favorite sport. It was very individual. And yeah. I just I just loved it. I was, I was always a pretty fast runner in, my, in the other sports. But once I started doing track, it's like, okay, now I can kind of really show my speed. And it was, it was really fun. And then ever since then, I kind of started to focus only on track because I knew that if I was going to get better, it was going to be in that sport. And, um, yeah, since then I've gotten better every year and won a few national titles and set the high school national record in the long jump. So it's it's been really fun. <laughs> okay, well, let me ask you, for somebody who wants to be an athlete, okay, so when you started track, were you – still just taking injections or did you have a CGM or were you just testing your blood sugar? What was your management there? So when I started track, I was still just manually giving, giving shots with the pen at the time. Right. Um, and then eventually I switched, I think a couple of years later, a year or two, I switched to the Medtronic because that's what um, the doctor recommended. recommended. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and then I used that for a couple of years and I was really struggling for a little bit because for a track, um, if you're at a track meet and you're doing several events, then you're really going from event to event and it's many hours. Yeah. And if you're running like a full-out sprint, you can't really have anything attached to you. Sure. Or else they'll just fly off and, yeah, obviously didn't want that happening. So I wouldn't be wearing my pump for a long time and... So you disconnect it. Not a good... You yeah. take it off. Okay, yeah, wow. So I would disconnect it. Um, I put it back on when I when I could, but it was so hard because I'd do the 100 and then I'd do the long jump. Right. I'd do the 200. Um, so it was like on and off for three or four hours so my blood sugars would go really high and I'd then feel nauseous and get sick so like, okay that's not right. working <laughs> um, so that's when I changed to the Omnicod which has been total life changer because don't have to disconnect it stays right on I only yeah. have to change it every three days um, instead of ten days well it doesn't fall off when I'm sprinting as fast as I can or when I'm jumping. Um, so no no tubes or anything, which was the biggest thing for me. So, Well, let me ask you this. When you did have the Medtronic and you were running, did you get – because everybody in the diabetes world, you got to get crafty. Did you, like, duct tape it to your body or something so that it wasn't hanging on anything? Or did you – you know, for somebody who's still on it, do you have did, – did anything work for you? Nothing really worked for me, and that's – kind of why I switched yeah. because I did try like duct tape and <laughs> different things like that but 
<laughs> and that's, I'm sure it doesn't feel good coming off. Yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't feel good, and it just wasn't comfortable, and I just had so many issues wearing it. Um, but, I mean, I, I had to find an alternative, and yeah. once I heard about the Omnipod, it was better than the Medtronic, I thought. So I had to kind of fight with my doctor to, to change. Um, but then when I did, it was perfect and won't change it for anything. So. Okay, let me ask you this. How did you find out about it? Did you see it on the... So... Yeah, like how... Yeah, go ahead. So I actually met um, Rob Campbell, um, <laughs> one of the creators of Omnipod. So I met him yeah. in Maine at a track meet, actually. And he ended... I can't remember exactly how the story went because it was many years ago, but... He told me about it, and I thought it was amazing. I was I was amazed. We're both from Maine. I was like, oh, perfect. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to try this. I was already looking for an alternative or trying to figure something out because it just wasn't working. And that's that's how I found out about it. And, yeah, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> i got to say that that guy, I sing his praise because he is such um, – a visionary and an advocate for this disease, it's, you know, it's when he talked about, I think he's had diabetes for, I'm going to say close to 50 years. Sorry to age you, Rob. But um, <laughs> the way that he talks about it, I mean, like right off the bat, and I just started unloading on him about, oh, my gosh, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's just he's a very passionate person. And so, you know, I, I'm very yeah. blessed to, to know him. And I know that and I'm glad that he passed that along to you because, obviously, yeah. the change in the device, has allowed you to further your your athletic goals and career. So when you graduated from high school, let's talk about, so you've been very obviously um, involved in track and things like that. So when you went to college, A, where did you go? And B, what were you studying? And yeah, what were you doing? So I went to Iowa State University my freshman year. And I was there for a year, and then I transferred. Um, and the reason for transferring was just didn't really fit in with the team or with, with the coach. So I knew that if I stayed there, I wasn't going to excel. Mm-hmm. So I needed to do what's best for me and, and transfer and, and get better. So then I went to the University of Georgia and studied exercise science. And I was there for two years, and those are the years that I won the national titles. And um, now I'm forgoing my last year to run and jump professionally, but I will be finishing my degree. So, well, that's good. awesome. Well, were your parents nervous about you moving away and going to college? They were. They were nervous, but. They trusted me, and I trusted that I was going to take care of my diabetes because all along I wanted to be the one taking care of it. I didn't want a lot of their help. I mean, they were there if I yeah. needed anything, and they always checked in, but they weren't overbearing, and I didn't mm-hmm. want them to be. So it was kind of a good good balance there. I trusted them. They trusted me. So they knew going away that I was going to be fine, but... They're obviously a little bit nervous. 
Well, do you think that, okay, so when you said that they trusted you and you trusted them, do you feel like that, was that a conversation that was actually had or was it just the relationship that you have with your parents? It was never really a conversation. It was just the relationship that we had. Um, I know a lot of kids who might feel like their parents are being a little bit overbearing, but it really just takes time for for trust on on each side. So oh, absolutely. Worked yeah. Out, yeah, it worked out perfectly with with my parents. I think it probably was hard for them to let them have me take control of this all on my own. Right. Um, but they did, which really helped and was really, really good for me in the long run. So well, that's great. So you're okay. So you're University of Georgia, and then you did you come back home, right? Yes, I'm back in Maine, and I'm training training with um, my high school trainer um, in Portland, Maine. So he's uh, a very personalized trainer so now I'm kind of away from the group team setting yeah and that really helps with um, my diabetes just because my recovery takes longer and mm-hmm. you know it's more about it so well in our initial conversation you talked at some point about stopping training for a while so you have and this is where we're going to lead into what you're doing currently but you went out for the Olympic trials is that correct in 2016. Talk about that experience. Um, so that was the best experience of my life so far. Um, <laughs> when I was a freshman in high school, I was watching the Olympic trial. This was in 2012. And when I saw them on TV, I was like, I'm going to be at the next Olympic trials in four years. And at the time, I was jumping five to six feet less than what they were jumping. So it wasn't even close. My parents thought I was crazy for for saying that. Um, so that. At that point, I was pretty good for Maine, but I wasn't good, like, on the national scene. Um, so I set that goal, and then the year before the trials, I hit the standard and set up a national high school record and qualified. What's the and standard? Then it was... 21 feet 11, um, a change from year to year, but that year, okay. 21 11, um, and I had jumped 22 feet 5 inches. Wow. To qualify. Um, and so that was the best experience of my life going to that, and now that I've been, I know what to expect for the next one, so that's, that's the big goal is going back to the trials and qualifying for the Olympics. So you did, you you made it pretty far with that, right? Yes. Yeah, I made it to the final. Yeah, so at the trials, they had like a preliminary round, and they took the top 12, I believe, to the final. So I think I was in the top seven going into the final, and then they take three from there. So I didn't make that three, but... I've been getting better since then, and think I'll have a really good shot at the next one. Well, and for the love of God, you made it to the finals of the Olympic trials, and you were a kid. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, you're a kid. So that's all. Yeah, yes. So during that period of time, you know, obviously diabetes has to be your primary focus. You've got to be in good control. 
do you have any uh, tips or like how did you that's a lot I mean that's a lot to put your body through period so you know give give our audience some tips yeah so I'm still learning um so every day I come across different situations um different problems um but for me it was really just learning how my body reacts during the different workouts and seeing if there were any patterns. So I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing was looking for those patterns, um, writing them down, documenting them. For me, I know how my blood sugars are during certain workouts. So for the, say, lifting workouts, it doesn't usually affect my blood sugars as much, but if I'm doing a running workout, then they tend to go low. Which was really yeah. just paying attention and looking for patterns and trying different things. Like, temp basal works really well for me for my running and lifting workouts. And I usually set that like an hour and a half before. So my blood sugar is really good. And that's a great tip. I just recently started lifting. Um, and I am not an athlete. I'm not even going to pretend. I'm 42 and three quarters and have worked so hard in my mm-hmm. professional career that I'm just now getting back into working out. And I'd never lifted. And I never thought in a million years that it would affect my blood sugar. But depending on right. what my blood sugar was going in, how much cardio I do prior to, um, man, I have seen some crazy things happening. And it's really nice and yeah. to see. And, my, you know, I work in a wellness center. So to show someone my blood sugar mm-hmm. while I'm doing these things, it's pretty I mean, I feel like entertaining and educational at the same time because the average person who doesn't have diabetes that is doing that are doing these things has no idea the what you know right. what's going on in their body at that level. So I feel like at those times, having diabetes sometimes gives you an upper hand, I guess, um, that you have better mm-hmm. control over what's going on. That, you know, you hope at least. So. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we're going in. So you started a new training situation, um, and when are the trials? The trials are in two years, um, 2020. But um, right now I'm looking forward to the World Championships, which are next year. So that's, like, my first big goal, and then after that will be the trials in the Olympics following year. Does it always cost a lot of money? To, to participate in um, Yeah. So when I went to the trials in 2016, it was pretty pricey. Um, I was doing it all on my own, so no sponsors, no contract. Um, at that time, I was in college, so I couldn't have any of that at the time. Oh, okay. So, hmm. yeah. So all of the flights had to be paid for, which made the Oregon not... <laughs> It's not cheap. cheap, and then yeah, no, it's not. And then staying there, I was actually there for a week because three-hour time change. So yeah. I wanted to really get used to that yeah. time and being there and using the facilities. So I was there for a week, so there was that, and then obviously food, and so it was pretty pretty pricey. So, but I mean, obviously, obviously worth it. You've got good parents. I'm yes, sure they exactly. can help with that. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes, they 
Well, we'll be sure to, um, you know, stay up to date with your trials. And I, I feel very confident that we're going to see you in the Olympics. And, my God, all the people with diabetes are going to be watching every single move and rooting you on. So, yeah, that's awesome. So I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because not everybody is going to be an athlete, even, you know, whatever. Right. So let's talk about your personal life. So when I talked to you before, if I remember correctly, which is probably wrong, your boyfriend was just moving back home. Yes. Boyfriend or fiance? Yes. So what did you say? Boyfriend or fiance? Uh, boyfriend currently. Um, <laughs> yeah. So no, no pressure. Exactly. No pressure, dude. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So he um, was in the military, the army for four years. We've been dating for almost six years now. So most of our time together has been in the army, me college. Yeah, part. Yeah, he's been in. Um, South Carolina, Texas, Korea for a year, and then he was in Georgia while I was there. Oh, that's So he, yeah, so he just got back from being in the Army about a month ago. So he's back to Maine, going to be going back to school. So, yeah, things are are going well, so. Okay, so the reason I didn't bring that up, because, you know, living with diabetes, it, it, it affects everybody around you. Unfortunately, I guess. So how did you, when you guys first started dating, talk about, you know, was was it embarrassing? How did you bring it up? Or did he already know? So I was really open about it. I've always been really open about it with everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really important to be because I knew some people who had diabetes were embarrassed or ashamed and... For me, I've learned that if you're open about it, people are going to look up to you. So right. there's nothing to be embarrassed about because they're going to be like, wow, like, you have this disease and you're still, like, doing all these things and you're still, like, incredible. So right. for me, it's like I like being open about it. I think more people should. Um, so I was really open about it to him and... He was obviously really understanding and helps me all the time with it. And if I have a little blood sugar, he'll go get me a snack. So <laughs> pretty, pretty nice. <laughs> okay, is anybody on your Dexcom share? Does anybody have do your parents or you know? Do you share your information with anyone? Um, so I I don't accept my doctor. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So my parents aren't on that. Um, yeah, I just, I just share that with my, with my doctor and then we go over patterns and, right, it changes through, through that, so. So, should you end up marrying, what's his name? Tyler. So, you and Tyler get hitched and he says, you know what, you're my wife, I want to know what's going on. Would you allow him to have access to it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely would, um, I mean, I would, I would now. It's just not really a conversation we've had, I guess. But I'm definitely, definitely open to it. So it's just funny to hear different, with different age brackets when people talk about sharing data and stuff. And you know, I mean, and, and some some people with diabetes 
who are not married have a best friend or, you know, somebody that can be, you know, their, I guess, um, support team in that way. But, yeah, so I was just curious. Some people are very protective and others are like, I don't care who knows, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I, I don't really, I don't really care who knows. <laughs> well, let me ask, um, if you were to give a piece of advice to a parent whose kid was, well, just a parent, what would you say to a parent? Um, I think the main thing I would say, which is similar to what I was talking about earlier, is that, um, well, it's obviously tough for the parent, but it's just tough for the child, too. Um, so just trusting your child, giving them a little bit of freedom, not checking in with them every single second about what their blood sugars are, I think that um, really helps the child yeah. believe that they can do whatever they want and they're not restricted. Um, and I think it won't, it just won't hold them back as, as much and they'll actually want to control it more if it's not something that they feel is overbearing to them. Right. Okay, so, so I think when that's you, the biggest thing. When you win the Olympics, <laughs> and what categories are we going to be watching for? Long jump? Long jump is right now my main event, but I'll also be sprinting. So if I can get a little bit better in sprinting, which I have been the past couple of years, so if I keep getting better, then that's a possibility as well. But and I, right it's now, a long, long jump. It's been a long time since I've been in track, and I mean that with, like, I think it was ninth or 10th grade, maybe 7th grade. What When you say sprinting, what's the distance? Um. What did you say? Sorry. The distance. Like, but how far do you have to sprint? Like, is it like a 200 meter? Oh. Or I don't know how. Um, outdoors is the 100, and indoors is the 60 meter. So the Olympics would be the 100 meter. And then for the 60 meter, that's like for the world championships for indoors. That's incredible. Well, I have to say, I'm, I'm laughing at myself. I've tried track. It is not my deal. Like, I was in the sprint, and I thought I was going to die. Dancing, cheerleading, all that, fine, but the, the track kicked my butt straight up. So I really, because I've tried it, applaud your efforts and, and how much you're um, moving forward with it. And so, like I was saying, when you win the Olympic gold medal in numerous events, what is life going to be like after you accomplish that? Um, I mean, it would be be pretty great um because that's, a, that's like, a career goal i mean you're, you're yeah. working on a career so once you accomplish that goal what's the next thing yeah so the next thing would be so like i said earlier my major is exercise science yeah um right now i'm actually coaching at a uh at a college um so i'm training and then i'm also doing some coaching which i love so once I'm done with my track career, I'll probably be training other other athletes and possibly doing some some coaching. So that's great. That's, that's the main goal. So I love learning. So I'm constantly watching different videos and, and reading books on on exercise science type things. So yeah, it's exciting. 
I don't know why you would know this person, but we have a past guest. Her name is Amy McKinnon. And I, she runs marathons like I go shopping at the mall. I mean, it's incredible. And she <laughs> runs all over the world. So I encourage you to look her up. She has breaking and she's a, a vegan. I mean, she's got her own, the, what she has done with her body um, and living with type one is just like you. I mean, it's phenomenal. And I think it's very inspirational for a lot of people. So I encourage you to look her up. I don't know which number our podcast was with her, but I'll be sure to put it in the po- uh, the podcast notes. But um, yeah, it's, it's great. And she does a lot of coaching and, and stuff like that. So I think that you're, you're definitely on the right path. And, uh, before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share with, with our listeners? Um, I think I guess the only thing is, um, which I've said before, is if you have diabetes, just don't let it stop you. Um, let it motivate you to, to get better in all other aspects in your life and turn it into something, something positive, something good. So... That's kind of the mindset that I've had. So I hear often because I host a couple of diabetes support groups, but and with type one and type two, and I think that it's the mentality of, and obviously you're living in the brighter side of it, but it's either a blessing or a curse, and exactly. we we yeah. get to choose every day. And some days it's going to be the curse, and that's okay. Exactly. But yeah. How does that shape your life and what you're going to do? And I, I've been a firm believer as well. Like diabetes yeah. hasn't kept me from doing anything, and if it did, I probably didn't even realize it. <laughs> You know, right. I never right. thought, oh, diabetes did it. It's just I didn't feel well that day. Oh, well, maybe I have a right. cold. So, right. so anyway, well, Kate, thanks so much. And there's no doubt you're an inspiration for a lot of people. And I please keep me up to date because I'll um, keep our listeners up to date as to your progress. And, and uh, yeah, so thank you. And thank you. We'll hear from you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Wow. Just another inspirational episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I am truly blessed to have people like that come across my radar and who are willing to let me interview them because God knows I'm a wild card at times. But I was just thinking, you know, with this is such a big deal. She's, I mean, I can't wait to watch her win the gold. I mean, how cool would that be? And wait a second. This is a wonderful opportunity to rally the diabetes diabetes badasses and support her. What does that mean? I have no idea because it just came across my radar. But let me think about it and I'll be sure to keep everybody informed. Or if you have an idea about how we can all, I don't know if it's come together and photo stream everybody watching the Olympics and other countries. I don't know what that means. But um, if you have any ideas as how we could do this, bring people in, bring everybody together, feel free to shoot me an email. Info at diabetesdailygrind.com or yeah, send me a message on anything social media. I would love to have some help in making this an epic event for her because she deserves it. So I think that's it for me. Enough rambling as usual. Um, And I hope that as you roll into Thanksgiving, you're not afraid to say no to that extra or that Aunt Irene's pecan pie that you know it's going to spike your blood sugar or you know what throw caution to the wind enjoy something but just remember to to take the drugs <laughs> whether that's pumping shooting up whatever you're doing 
uh, just be sure to keep an eye on your diabetes. And hopefully your CGNs are helping make that a smoother sailing situation this year. So I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season and cheers to the highs and lows. I'm alive. One minor inconvenience. A little thing called dying. 